Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. So the last time we talked on the TreeCast was what? Nine days ago, right? Few things have changed since then, haven't they? That's okay. The TreeCast will roll on Wednesday, March 18th, 2020. Hope you are enjoying your day. Hope you're staying safe. And thank you for joining us on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity, presented by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm indeed Troy Clarity. Wow. <laughs> you know, we, 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 there, there was things that we discussed last week, last time around, and uh, said that we'd wait and see what happened. And boy, we, it didn't take long for, for some of those answers to come along as uh, the college sports season has ended uh, for this year. And obviously, uh, no word on when things uh, will resume and get back to normal. I could say that about a lot of different things, but uh, obviously, uh, the COVID-19 situation uh, bringing a swift abrupt and unexpected uh, ending to the college sports season. With that in mind, coming up in a few minutes or so, we are going to be joined by one of my favorite folks to chat Stanford sports with, and not just football. This is a Stanford football podcast by and large, but, you know, this impacts everything Stanford athletics. And a few better people to chat about that with in the media uh, than Jacob Rayburn, uh, the publisher of the Cardinal Sports Report, which, of course, is the Stanford arm of Rivals.com. So I, I'm curious to get his thoughts on, on where Stanford uh, Athletics sits right now, the different programs, obviously football. They were able to get, a couple, they were able to get half of their spring session in. Uh, how are things looking there? Uh, both basketball teams with interesting seasons in, 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 in very different ways, it seemed. Meanwhile, is it possible, is it possible that one Stanford program actually benefits from this break. We're to think about, we'll talk about it with uh, Jacob Rayburn of uh, Rivals.com coming up in a few moments. You can follow me on Twitter at Troy Clarity. The last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y, at Troy Clarity. You got thoughts on the show and on Stanford Athletics, I will welcome them. You got thoughts on content? Hey, I'll welcome that too, obviously, going forward. Uh, hashtag TreeCast with your Twitter thoughts there. Uh, and by the way, of course, as many of you, I'm sure, are aware of, the TreeCast is now part of the Believe Podcast Network family. We're super glad to be uh, with, uh, with the folks at uh, Believe. They've been terrific so far. So that means that TreeCast, which has normally been available on Apple Podcasts and Google Play and iHeartRadio, it's now also up on Spotify and Stitcher as well. So any way, any way that you get your favorite podcast from, you can get the TreeCast with Troy Clarity. And let's face it, you're going to have a lot more time on your hands. So you basically have no excuse left not to listen to the show. And uh, hey, by the way, if you want to advertise for the program, have your message heard by advertise on the show, I wouldn't be mad at that. Head to Believe.com, uh, head to the advertise section so you can learn more about uh, how perhaps you can be a part of what we do at the TreeCast and at the Believe Podcast Network. Glad to have you on board. Um, normally, uh, we get you going with uh, three things that you need to know right now. But as you know, these are not normal times. Uh, athletic competition wiped out, not just for Stanford, not just for the Pac-12, 
but also on the NCAA level uh, for the entire spring sports season. The university has basically cleared out. Uh, everyone's working from home. People are taking classes at home and online. Uh, this was supposed to be finals week. It is still finals week to my knowledge, and uh, they're still uh, sorting through that um, as, as things go. So obviously these are, these are not normal times for the university. Uh, Stanford Athletics uh, tweeted out on Tuesday, quote, A great team is marked by its resilience, its kindness and compassion, its ability to unify and rise above any challenge. This community is our team. We are all in this together. End of quote from Stanford Athletics. And that's been their, their only official statement so far this week. We are efforting to chat with David Shaw, the Stanford football head coach, uh, he wanted to wait a little bit until he had a few more answers. Uh, so we'll certainly look. We all want more answers, right? But uh, we'll certainly uh, respect that and uh, hope to catch up with uh, Coach Saw um, in the weeks ahead here on the TreeCast. So don't really know what the next few weeks are going to hold, but I, I do know that we are off the heels of what has largely been another successful season for Stanford athletics. National championships once again for women's soccer, women's volleyball, and uh, men's water polo. But obviously, by and large, an incomplete season. A lot left on the table. Uh, how are the hoop seasons uh, going to end on the court? Um, could baseball turn it around? Uh, spring season, usually a lot of good things happen for Stanford there as well. We will not get the answers to those questions on the court and or on the fields of play. But... Still a good season overall, and let's talk about it with the guy who has brought you day-to-day -day coverage of Stanford Athletics. I really don't think anybody does it any better on a more consistent basis than our guest on the TreeCast. Uh, you read his stuff on Cardinal Sports Report at Rivals.com. He is the publisher of that website. Always great to chat with the one and only Jacob Rayburn joining us on the TreeCast. Jacob, thanks a bunch. Always appreciate the time. How you doing? I'm doing well. I, I wish there was more to read at the moment. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish there was more to talk about, but uh, but but here we are. And, and, and we can at least, I, I feel weird kind of doing a, a year in review kind of thing. And here it is. It's not even, it's not even officially a spring yet, but, but this, this is what it is. Let's just kind of go through a few things. Uh, you know, let's, let's start with football because the TreeCast is largely a Stanford football podcast. Uh, four and eight, obviously, last year. Obviously not the season that, that, that anyone really, really wanted to have. And a big-time offseason, a lot on the table for this team in the offseason. A lot for the coaches to do, a lot for the players to do. Um, the first spring session was able to finish up without disruption. Obviously, the second spring session will not go off. Uh, what was your impression of how things had been going this spring for Stanford football? Well, the number one thing I think we all look at is health. Who's practicing? Who's not? Uh, I think really that's what everybody does um, for especially the first part of spring. But, I mean, Stanford, that's been – the number one issue for, I guess, to varying degrees, most of the last three seasons. I thought health-wise, um, the, the things were headed in the right direction. Um, five scholarship offensive linemen fully healthy is an improvement off of last year at the same time. Logic tells us that there's really not going to be a whole lot of risk between now and training camp to get hurt. So by camp, assuming we have camp, um, the team should be pretty darn healthy. 
artsy and and pretty deep actually when the freshman arrived so I, I, I looked at that um, the strongest position group is the wide receivers mm-hmm. um, there are short short list of times in Stanford football history where you could say that um, with as much confidence as I think you can now um, I think Simi Fajoko has a chance to be the uh, a clear number one receiver and really break out on the national stage. Um, unless I'm mistaken, unless he had to cancel it, he's also the newly married Simi Fajoko. Right, right. <laughs> and so the wide receiver group uh, is really talented. My top concern was how's the defense? Because the defense is the unit that has the farthest to travel to be good. Yep. Um, I didn't like that. Uh, I didn't like that some of the inside linebackers weren't available. Uh, Miazon missed some practices. Mangum Farr is out the entire time. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if, if training camp happens, what the defense looks like. Yeah, you know, and, and I think you, know, I, you, you hinted at it. I was going to touch on it with you with uh, defensively, a lot of question marks there. But offensively, this could be a lot of fun to watch. Davis Mills, uh, like what I've seen from him as a passer, the offensive line uh, with some depth and certainly with some experience, wide receivers, running backs as well. How much fun could the Stanford offense be to watch in the fall? I think it could be a lot of fun. Uh, actually, I'll change that. I'll say it should be yeah. a lot of fun. It needs to be a lot of fun. Um, you know, one of the worst things you can do uh, to a fan base, and, and especially in college football, is lose games and be boring. <laughs> and unfortunately, um, that happened quite a lot this last season. And this next season, Davis was the top quarterback in his class. and through an interesting sequence of events, we've yet to really get to see what that means. Um, And now he's on track to be able to show everybody uh, in his fourth year on campus, what will be his fourth year on campus. Uh, The offensive line will not look anything like it it looks in the spring. Um, Three uh, projected starters were watching the spring practices. Um, The line should be talented. I really like like the running backs. Austin Jones and Nathaniel Pete. Um, they're both really talented pass catchers. They both have speed. Nathaniel's faster. Um, and everyone, I think, is kind of predicting that Austin Jones will be the next number one running back. But I predict he's not going to separate from Pete as much as everyone thinks. And it's not going to be because Jones doesn't do well. Um, so the running backs, the receivers, I've already mentioned, really strong, versatile group. Uh, and their versatility is going to be really important because the tight end group is a major question mark. Sure. Um, I didn't see anything in the open practices that made me think, oh, I'm, I'm going to be surprised by the current group and that they should be really any type of focus in the passing game. Now, there's obviously a long time between now and, and the hypothetical beginning of the season. Uh, so what Bradley Archer does, what the two incoming freshmen tight end do, uh, are able to do is, is to be determined, but yeah, spread out the field, let Davis chuck it around that that should lead to a lot of points and fun. Yeah. Should be interesting to watch. And, uh, and there, there could be a lot that could happen between now and Friday. That's just the world we're living in at yeah. this point right now. Um, you are way, 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 way more into recruiting than I am. What's the snapshot there? What are things looking like for Stanford football from a recruiting standpoint as we speak right now? 
Oh man, that's a very interesting question. Um, so uh, as you know, and as everyone else should, 2020 is done, signed, and uh, 2021 has no commitments yet. I'm still working on kind of getting an idea of what type of recruiting really, if any, is happening at the moment. Obviously, everyone in the Bay Area has been dealing with kind of whiplash the past four or five days of how quickly things change during 24-hour periods. So the focus of everybody, I imagine, has just been on kind of getting what you need to do to hunker down. Um, so in the coming weeks, I imagine the coaches are going to put in, be, be able to put in more effort to kind of stay in touch with the kids that they're recruiting. Uh, it looks like they probably were only going to have the one junior day uh, this spring. We'll see like what happens in May or, or even June, um, but can't guarantee anything. Uh, the March junior day had a small, but I would consider mighty group. Um, and it had three really good defensive line recruits. Um, and in the um, typical Stanford form, one of them was from New Jersey. And then you had a top safety prospect from Georgia. Then, um, you know, one of the top offensive linemen that they want in this class, Pat Coogan, came out from um, Chicago. Um, so that All-American vibe was present. And it was a talented little group. Um, the 2021 class, even without any commitments yet, Looks like it actually could be pretty good uh, once kind of things get rolling. Sure. Uh, the, the big question is Stanford hasn't decided on a quarterback to offer yet. Um, and they're, they're set on taking one. They just haven't decided yet. Intriguing developments in that uh, department, I am sure, uh, left to come. All right, let's, let's talk hoops and let's talk uh, the ladies first because this show has manners. Uh, Oregon clearly a cut above. I don't think there is that much question about that. But no. – when this season began, you know, folks were talking about, and I was, I was kind of on that bandwagon myself about how, how, how special a season this could be for Stanford women's hoops, uh, at least at the start of the year, things that, that we hadn't seen or on the farm um, in, in quite a while. Now, as mentioned, Oregon clearly a cut above. How close is that gap, however, if Stanford had been completely healthy and had all their horses, do you think, throughout the course of the entire season? Yeah, that's the, man, that's the big question. Um, injuries impacted that season much more than anyone predicted. Um, yeah, I, when, Dej when Dejanay Carrington went down uh, before the Victoria Invitational Thanksgiving week, that's when it really hit of like, okay, now you're down two preseason projected starters. Maya Dotson got hurt before the season began and only came back during the last month. Um, and then I'd argue, though, that by the time conference play got rolling, the team was actually trending up because Haley Jones was trending up. Mm -hmm. And Haley was getting better and better, and she was taking on more of the show. And you could imagine Kiana Williams and Lexi Hall working off of Haley doing her point forward routine and what that was going to look like by the end of conference play. When Haley went down, that was the toughest hit that they took. Um, I remember even a couple of weeks after Haley went down, I asked Kiana, has the team adapted yet? Do you feel like they're comfortable, more comfortable now working without Haley? She got wide eyed, shook her head and was like, 
that was such a big blow to us to lose Haley and it affects so many things. Um, so that was the last injury that they just couldn't overcome. If they had Haley and Maya, or if they had certainly all three of them, if they had all three of them, then it's a heavyweight battle each time with Oregon, close games down to the wire, in my opinion. Um, so that's a real shame that we won't ever be able to know what that would have looked like. And now we just kind of cross our fingers and, and wonder what the roster will look like for this next season with Haley Jones's recovery and, and whether or not Dijonay will be able to have a fifth year. Yeah, certainly that's the key for uh, Stanford women's hoops, at least in the short term uh, going forward. Switching over to the men's side. Well, great, great moments to be sure, and at least certainly at the start, playing well against good teams, uh, you know, showing well against Kansas at Maples Pavilion in late December. That was a nice, subtle atmosphere uh, for, for that game. But, and a good start to Pac-12 season, but I just can't help but wonder how things might have been different if Stanford hadn't been up by 25 at USC and just watched that lead get frittered away. In, that, in, in your mind, was that the key sequence uh, that was that the key game for Stanford men's hoops this year, or was there another key sequence that comes to, to your mind? Yeah, I mean, there's two. Um, I mean, the the two worst blown leads of the season came against game, you know, games that man, you obviously would have loved to have the USC loss and then the one at Colorado. Yep. Um, and the problem, I would say. What made the USC loss, I think, even more impactful, even a tougher blow, was that first half was the best 20 minutes of offensive basketball they played the entire season. Yep. And, and then it was immediately followed by a complete 100% collapse. That kind of summed up a lot of the issues for the whole season. The whole season, they could not get the offense going for any length of time. And you'd have flashes. And that was it. So in some ways, I thought the USC second half kind of summed up a lot of the problems. Um, but the, the games were there to be won that would have created a no-doubt NCAA tournament resume. The, the USC loss, Colorado loss, up 11 in the second half against Cal. And when you get to the Pac-12 tournament, they had what everyone I – I've talked to agrees was their worst game of the season in the game that they had to win. Yep. And they just, they just looked like the moment overwhelmed them. Like they played like, Oh my God, we have to win. And Cal played like, Hey, we're just going to take it to our rival. And it just showed those games just showed that this program has grown to be like right there. But then you just get shown what the what's missing, and they come up a little bit short. Yeah, and, and all the bracketologists, or at least coming into the into the Pac-12 tournament, many of them, or at least a good a good portion of them, seem to have Stanford on the right side of the bubble, which quite honestly shocked me. And I'm not sure yeah. if it said more about Stanford or more about the quality of teams on the bubble. And I was kind of kind of wrestling with that a little bit as we as we headed into the. In, in the conference, in the conference tournament, but but overall, how do you feel about the trajectory of of the men's hoops program as we talk at this point? I think right now it's in a good place. I think I think the path to get here was a bit harder 
than I think it should have been. Um, I realized that there's always, a, there's always kind of transition pains for new coaching staff, but the cupboard wasn't like, it wasn't bare when Jared Hass and his guys came in and took over to have not reached the tournament at all at this point to have actually taken a step back um, last, you know, despite having talent uh, before this season, you took a step back before now taking a step forward was surprising. Um, but right now, the things that we know have, uh, that are good, one, you've established an elite defense because you established a roster of guys who have bought in You've taught your defense at a high level. The guys are comfortable with it. They embrace the culture of working hard. That is a really important thing to have accomplished in college basketball. Mm -hmm. Two, connected to the culture, the guys get along fantastically well. The chemistry is great. Um, so with a little bit more success, you hope that the third strength of the program starts to pay off even more, which is that the work ethic of the coaches is really kind of considered unquestioned. They, they leave no stone unturned about recruits to offer and go after. And when they lose out on guys, it's, it's because of the state of the program and not because they didn't build relationships well enough or, or put in enough face time. So one would hope that with more success and it being very clear that that culture has been established, that next thing next season things get rolling one quick thing on baseball here obviously a very uh, tough start to their season but just just youth all over the place yeah. uh, and, and a couple of days where where david esker was running out lineups where there were no more than two sophomores in the lineup and everybody else yeah. uh was just freshmen in a weird kind of way could this break be a bit beneficial or is it one thing where it's like Look, obviously this team, or at least apparently, you know, David Esker and I talk about this, you know, baseball, he was hoping that the team was going to look a lot different and play a yeah. lot better in April and May than they were in February and March. Part of me says, hey, maybe this break is a bit beneficial. But another part of me says, gosh, I really wish I could have seen where this, where this could have gone by the end of it all. Uh, how, how do you look at the baseball season? I have this. I've had the same internal conversation. Um, I think, I think one thing that's obvious that both of us you know, kind of leave unsaid because it's obvious is they all wanted to compete. They all wanted to try to get better. No one wants these guys to lose an entire season, but if you're going to lose an entire season, let's think about whether that has some positives to it. Um, I don't, I'm not sure how much better things we're going to get. Um, they were really scuffling and some of the guys who's Stanford really needed to produce some of the older guys, I think were really stuck in their head. Um, you know, I think Tim Tawa in particular kind of had this I, boulder on his shoulders every time he got into the batter's box. And that's a hard way to swing a baseball bat. Yep. And um, yeah, the youth is, was just really, I mean, not to kind of make a joke out of it, but you kind of can. You know, there's discussion about letting seniors of senior of spring sports come back. That would have zero impact on Stanford baseball. Yeah. <laughs> um, there is not as really a single senior who 
I can think of who'd be like, okay, they get to come back and play another year. Um, and it, things were just kind of cascading for them. Like Al Alex Williams was injured and right. is out for the rest of the year. I've been told Tommy John surgery. And it's, it was in some ways uh, not the worst thing to kind of call it a season. Let's regroup within the program. Everyone work their tail off and see what happens next season when a really talented 2020 freshman class shows up, assuming the majors don't pick off a couple of them. Um, and then everyone will be a year older. Yeah, and interesting to note, I just uh, found this out about uh, an hour or so ago before we talked, uh, the NCAA will uh, count all these, all these years of statistics as official. Now, that, of course, that also means that Stanford's run of having 33 unearned runs so far this season uh, will unfortunately stand. And I think if you're looking for a stat that, uh, yeah. that, that really tells the story of Stanford baseball this year, that's it. 33 unearned runs in, in the number of games they played is just absolutely unbelievable. As, as we wrap this up, up Jacob, you know, as mentioned at the start of this chat, uh, a good year in a lot of ways for Stanford Athletics, but obviously an incomplete year. What, what are your one or two biggest takeaways when you think back on what this, uh, this academic uh, sports year uh, was all about for Stanford? What are your one or two biggest takeaways? Uh, number one for me is has been the number one for quite a while now. All hail the women's sports at Stanford. They they really carry the banner first in the athletic department. Um, and to that point, um, my my first tip of the cap goes to arguably the greatest senior class of Stanford athletes in its history uh, on women's volleyball. Um, and then, uh, in general, uh, beyond that, just that, not to make it too hallmarky, is that it's another year of um, the best athletic department full of top student athletes who, who excelled, who excelled while competing at the, academically at the, one of the best universities in the world. And it's a shame that this year had to end the way that it did. Can't wait to be uh, getting back to uh, the day-to-day -day, uh, work of uh, covering Stanford sports. I know you can't, and I know that yeah. all the folks out there uh, can't wait to read all of your stuff uh, on a more uh, consistent basis um, as well. Uh, but you can check them out. Follow them on Twitter at JN Rayburn. And obviously, more importantly, read and uh, subscribe to his uh, stuff, uh, Cardinal Sports Report, uh, on the on the Rivals.com portion of the – or the Stanford portion, I should say, of the Rivals.com website. Jacob, always appreciate the time and the knowledge. Uh, can't wait to hang out again soon. Thanks a bunch, and uh, stay healthy. Thank you. You too. Our thanks again to Jacob Rayburn for uh, joining us on the TreeCast. And, yeah, amen to, to, to one of his last thoughts there. All hail women's sports. And quite honestly, my – Biggest memory, my best memory of the Stanford Athletics 2019-2020 campaign is, is being in the building and actually watching Stanford win a national championship down in San Jose when women's soccer was able to hoist up a trophy at the very end of it all. I've, look, I've seen a lot in my 27-plus years of covering Stanford sports. I had never seen the Cardinal win a national championship with my very own eyes. That was cool to see. And what a team that was. That women's soccer squad. Man, Katerina Macario, one of the best soccer players, certainly on the collegiate level, in the entire country. Sophia Smith, good luck to her. 
as uh, she made the move and uh, got drafted uh, by the pros uh, back in January. Uh, just, just such a terrific, terrific squad on all phases and on all levels. And Paul Ratcliffe, one of the best in the biz um, as the coaches. I mean, it, it, it was cool to see women's soccer finish up the business that, that they left on the table in 2018 in which that squad never really got it going at any point. Injuries just befalling that team to many of their best players, and we just never saw that super team at its peak. We saw the 2019 super team at its peak, and man, man, were they a show. By the way, Katie Meyer became, becoming an overnight sensation. Wow, that was fun to watch too. And not just watching them win that championship, but the celebration afterwards. And just, just kind of standing in the tunnel between the field and the clubhouse and the dressing rooms. And Stanford fans lining the way uh, in the tunnel on both sides. And all the Stanford players, all of them, to, to every single young lady, all of them, signing autographs, taking selfies with the fans. A lot of young girls, obviously, very, very hyped up about the whole thing. And just, just watching that and just, just taking the whole thing. And I'm kind of getting goosebumps just kind of recounting it a little bit, quite honestly. That was such a cool, cool moment on so many different levels. And that is going to be in an abbreviated year, one that held so much more promise and, and one that that is going to finish with so many unresolved storylines, still being able to be there for women's soccer with that squad, with that moment, and, and, and to be able to, to just observe and, and, and to just be kind of a fly on the wall, so to speak, and to be around and to watch all of that unfold. That was pretty cool. That was really, really, really outstanding stuff. But that's it for the Stanford athletic season for 2019-2020. Certainly was not fun watching everything implode. I was literally just minutes away from talking to uh, Stanford lacrosse coach Daniel Spencer. I was going to call both of uh, Stanford's uh, lacrosse games uh, on Friday against Oregon uh, for the live stream there and on the Pac-12 network on Sunday against Colorado. And uh, literally just minutes before I was supposed to talk to Coach Spencer, uh, the Pac-12 made its announcement that it was going to be canceling not just the Pac-12, the remainder of the Pac-12 men's basketball tournament, but also the remainder of the spring sports season as well. And a couple hours after that, the NCAA announced that they were going to be uh, canceling all NCAA winter and spring championship seasons. So certainly not fun. Not a lot of fun. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of dreams for a lot of student athletes up in smoke. And, you know, my spring season completely up in smoke and up in the air right now. So, so, so not, not much fun. Uh, these are not easy times for, for anyone, for anyone involved. And look, if, if you're coming to me for answers on this, <laughs> you are, you're, I'm flattered, right? You know, uh, thank you, but, but come on. No, you're, 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 better, you're, you're better served. You know, listening to the true health professional experts on this, you know, I, I have no answers on, on when things are going to turn around and what's going to happen. Uh, my only answer really is this, you know, it, and it's that old maxim that, that that coaches love to use. Control what you can control. It means washing your hands. It means adhering to the social distancing guidelines. You know, doing all the things you can do to make sure that you don't catch it. And, and even worse, spread it to others. That's my answer. It's going to be tough. You know, my wife's working from home for the next few weeks. Our cats are, are wondering why all, what all these humans are doing in the house throughout the course of the day. They're not used to this either. 
But just control what you can control. And I'm not going to call this the new normal. I, I've heard that phrase thrown around because this is anything but normal. But do what you can do to make sure that we all get through this and we're all back on track in time to be talking real live Stanford sports by the time late summer rolls around. I hope that we get to that point. I really do. Don't know what the weeks ahead hold, but I do know that the TreeCast will roll on through the spring. We'll be bringing you content. We'll come at you every single week, at least for the next few weeks anyway, as there are still things out there to chat about, things to talk about. You've got ideas for content? Hey, I'm all ears. Hashtag TreeCast. Hashtag TreeCast. That's the best way to have your thoughts on this show and on uh, Stanford uh, athletics and Stanford football as a whole um, seen by me. You can also follow me on Twitter at Troy Clarity. As mentioned at the top of the show, don't forget the Believe Podcast Network. Check them out, Believe.com. So many great shows, not just not just sports-specific, but, but all around all sorts of other different uh, intriguing subjects. Uh, which are now more important uh, than ever. But uh, check them out, B-L-E-A-V.com, the Believe Podcast Network, and uh, the TreeCast, available via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify. Did I miss anybody? I, 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 don't, I don't think I did. But we're available everywhere now, so uh, take that and uh, use that to your advantage. Thanks again uh, to our guest, Jacob Rayburn from the Cardinal Sports Report and Rivals.com. And, of course, the biggest thanks going out to you for joining us. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. Heck, you shouldn't be driving anyway. Stay home. Stay home. Unless you're, like, going to the grocery store or something like that. But we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for checking us out on the TreeCast with Troy Clinton. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.